0: film studies but all my research was in narrative theory and th- th- because of that I ended up writing a book called The Moral Premise Harnessing Virtue and Vice for Box Office Success that was literally overnight picked up in Hollywood by a publisher there and uh since so and because of that see I finished the book in 2005 2006 and it was it came out in 2006 and uh, since 2007, I've been consulting on motion picture films um, and and some novels uh, for, for Hollywood producers and, and stuff. And, and the films that I've worked on have grossed over a billion dollars at the box office. So uh, that's principally what I do. Uh, and then when I have uh, extra time... Um, my, You might say my advocation, we have a, a Catholic media distribution company called Nineveh's Crossing. And so we have produced over since we came into the church in 1998. My wife came in in 1999. Uh, we've been producing DVDs and television specials and uh, and books that deal with Catholic apologetics, mostly, mm. and some of that has been uh, aired on EWTN. A lot of it has been interesting, and ironically enough, uh, aired on Protestant stations. Mm. I think they have felt. In fact, one one Protestant uh, station owner, uh, televi- uh, this is a cable television, told me that they felt guilty about all the anti-Catholic stuff that was on their sh- uh, on their their channel. Because it's sponsored stuff that you know people pay for the time, yeah. And so we actually got free airtime on probably six different Protestant television cable networks because they felt guilty about all the anti-Catholic stuff, and so we got our Catholic apologetic stuff on. Catholic channel or uh, Protestant channels for years for oh, free.
1: Praise God. Good. I'm glad they had a little healthy guilt there about uh, yeah, <laughs> some of the right. programs. <laughs> Can you briefly talk about your conversion and what was the catalyst and the reason for that both you and your wife a year later?
0: Yeah. Well, for me, I w- my wife and I were both raised in free methodism, which is an evangelical church uh, similar to Nazarene and Wesleyan Methodists. if people've heard of that. And um since my teenage years, I always had a conflict, uh, uh, kind of a logical contradiction of things between what I read in the Bible. Uh, I was always a Bible student. so My wife and I were both involved in Bible quizzing, so we would end up memorizing chapters of, of the Gospels and stuff like that for Bible quizzing. And I always had trouble correlating what I was reading in the Bible and what I understood and how I interpreted it, and what the doctrines of the various evangelical churches that we attended over the years were teaching, or what preachers were saying from their pulpit, always gave me a problem. And, uh, it went on f- for decades until, and we had children, we were going to an independent, uh, big independent church where my kids were active, and, um, it, it just, it got too much. And I just, the preacher was saying stuff, and they were doing doctrinal things, and they had rules that just, I did not find in the Bible. And so I left, and I didn't give up on God, I didn't give up on the Bible, Um, and my faith was always strong. But I just started hopping around even more so than we had done before, and we had done quite a bit of church hopping before that with the kids. And my wife and the kids stayed at the church that we were going to because it was very active, and with especially the youth group with my kids. In fact, uh, two of my kids married people from that youth group. So mm. that's how that's how strong it was. Um, and um, and one day I, I just got really frustrated, and I walked into the local the, the local Catholic church, which I thought I never would walked into before. And uh, I was convinced that no one walking into the church with me was a Christian because no one was carrying a Bible. This was an evangelical you know sort of truism that uh you you you, did, you, you told people how dedicated you were to the faith by how big the Bible was that you carried to church and uh and that that first Sunday in church um you know, I realized, gee, the the the, the pastor was really good. Uh, James Cronk was the priest, and he was a, just a really good speaker. And I, I was in the process of hiring professional speakers for conferences that I was running for corporations. And uh, the next Sunday I went back, and I was shocked that the whole thing was about Jesus. And the third <laughs> – yeah, and the, and the third Sunday I went back. Um, I, I thought, my goodness, I've heard more scripture in this one service than I've ever heard in you know months at Evangelical Church. And so I went back at the end of service, and I asked uh, Father Cronk, I says, hey, uh, I gave him kind of like my 30-second elevator pitch of being a Christian. I says, can I take communion next Sunday? Because I had abstained from taking communion. And he said, well, Stan, uh we believe it's the real body, presence, uh, soul, and divinity of Christ. Do you believe that? And I said, Well, that's ridiculous. Of course not. (laughs) But I still want to receive it, right? (laughs) Yeah. And he said, Well, we'd rather you not. (laughs) And so I got a little miffed. And I was walking out to my car, kind of like upset. And uh, I got about 50 feet from my car, and it wasn't a true apparition, but it was as, is, as if an angel stopped me in the parking lot and said, okay, dummy, you didn't think it was anything about Jesus. You thought it was all about Mary, and it was about Jesus. You didn't think there was any scripture, and that's all there was. And the people, although they didn't have Bibles, they knew how to, they, they recited the Nicene Creed perfectly, and you didn't even know it. So what else? <laughs> so what else don't you know? And so about three days later, I left on a business trip, and I stopped at the airport and uh, looking through the newsstand, and I picked up a book uh, called Why Do Catholics Do That? by an art history uh, guy down in Houston that um, wrote a lot of books. And and I started reading that, and the first chapter I read in that book, I think it was chapter 7, was about the rosary. I said, yeah, why do they play the rosary? Well, the the, the chapter on the rosary made perfect sense to me. And uh, I, so I finished the book, and that started an eight-month process and uh, of just reading everything I could find and uh, about Catholicism, and I went to RCAA, and, and I came into the church in Easter in 1998. My wife... Debated with me quite a bit, and there's a lot of stories. I Actually, we, my wife and I wrote a book called Growing Up Christian, Searching for a Reasonable Faith in the Heartland of America. And it's, it's, it's essentially my felt, uh, faith memoir where I, I tell a lot of humorous stories about uh, my process through my child, early childhood to when I came into the church and why and how and all that and um so and, and pam came in and, uh, a year later actually pam wouldn't even wait for easter when she finally figured things out she says i gotta come in now <laughs> so she came in uh, between Chris, uh, christmas and new year's in
1: 1999 oh wow praise god what, a, what an amazing story Th- thank you for sharing that that's awesome stan williams is my doctor di- uh, stan williams is uh, can i call you stan is that okay no. Oh yeah, okay. hey you, I'll answer just about anything <laughs> Okay, we are going to talk about uh, his latest book I believe it's the latest book Called The Wizard Clip Haunting Which is a really interesting uh, book it's, it's a big book and I got it for my birthday At least an original, uh, uh, maybe a, an early copy of it That uh, my friend Scott Rogie gave to me And Scott's here in studio And Scott, I want to bring you into the conversation How did you and Stan connect? Yeah, obviously there's a friendship there And you're a fan of of his work or uh, how did that all start
2: I don't remember when I first started um going to Nineveh's Crossing but Stan developed a lot of the Dr. Ray Grundy early material and um one of the things I know that I did buy from him was uh you're a better parent than you think Mm. um which is a a DVD not a DVD it's a a audio CD of uh of Dr. Ray Grundy Mm -hmm. but then um and I don't remember the year of this, so Stan, you might have to help me. But uh, you produced. Yeah, the- that
0: was that was back that was back up. Uh, that may have gone back to. Yeah, that was years ago. But it's it's a DVD. It was a it was a talk that Dr. A gave to a homeschool group, and he does he does 90 minute of stand up comedy and Catholicism, and it's just hilarious. It's really good. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. it's
2: it's a really great DVD. But then you uh, also um, produced the On Common Ground with uh, Father um, John Ricardo and Pastor Steve, and I can't remember his last mm-hmm. name. Yes,
0: yeah, uh, Steve, Pastor Steve. Yeah, I can't. think... Um, It'll come to me here in a second, but yeah, that's a great DVD too. That actually, the, the Common Ground DVD, there's a great story about that. I didn't produce it, but I I got the exclusive rights to distribute it. Uh, the Kensington Community Church, a big Protestant mega church in Detroit here, produced it because they couldn't get John Ricardo to come up and talk in their morning services and tell the people in their congregation what Catholics really believed. So they produced this video. And I got the distribution rights. That thing got aired on the Trinity Broadcasting um, uh, System company, or the Trinity Broadcasting Network out of Pasadena, California. And in one week, we sold two thousand copies of that mm. DVDs to Protestants.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. You know, you've already told a couple of stories of how Protestants have been surprisingly open to Catholicism. You know about uh, the 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 radio station folks that thought that you know they were, they were too many of the hosts were anti negative and now uh, they, for a Protestant church to be interested in Father John Ricardo coming in and explaining the truths of Catholicism yeah, that's that's right. pretty pretty remarkable and uh, so let, let's um. If I may, because there's so many different uh areas that you have touched on uh Stan, and we could do an hour on all your outside work besides this book but i I do want to get to the wizard clip haunting because I think there's a lot to dig in, and know uh Scott has completed it, i think as of yesterday, and uh, Scott, how did this particular book uh hit your radar screen um i'm
2: because I've, I've subscribed to the Nineveh's Crossing website, I, I get the, the emails. It came in, and, and I looked at it, and I kind of brushed it off. And then another email came in with it, and I'm like, I'm going to look into this. And, and that's when I found out that, that Jimmy Akins had actually done a episode of The Mysterious World mm-hmm. on it. And I looked into uh, some of the main characters, Father uh, Dimitri Gat- Gatlidson, and uh, – I got very, very interested in it, so I bought the book and then I started reading the book and and the the development of the the character. So one of the main characters, Adam, Adam Livingston, who was an anti-Catholic uh, Protestant in early America, and uh, a lot of the things that, that that Stan talked about in his own, you can see where where Stan brought those into. Um, Adam Livingston's character mm-hmm. is his discovery of the church and the priesthood and the power of the sacraments. Um,
1: yeah, let me stand Yeah, I know you're familiar with uh, the concept of uh, an elevator speech. And let, let's start with that. If you could summarize what this book is about, because it's a, it's a big book and I know it's multifaceted. Uh, you know, what is the, you know, the, the 32nd explanation of what is this book, The Wizard Clip Haunting about?
0: Well, it's it's really a um, fictionalized—it's fictionalized fictionalized of a true story. In other words, I've done a lot of the research that—and I've tried to include a lot of the true documentation of this story. But it it occurs in 1797. The real shorthand version of it is that Adam Livingston and his wife uh, were anti-Catholics, and they had sworn that a Catholic priest would never cross the threshold of their house. And what happened was a stranger came— uh, to stay with him overnight, as oftentimes did, because there weren't hotels and motels. And uh, he was uh, traveling across the country, and he stayed. And that night, in their guest room, um, he died. And before he died, he banged on the wall, and, and he asked for a priest to come and give him last rites. And the Livingstons were shocked and a little upset that this catholic had crossed the threshold and it turns out that the guy was actually a priest but they didn't know it at the time and and they refused to find him a priest although at the time there probably wasn't a priest that they could have found because there weren't any priests around the neighborhood that they knew of anyhow there was definitely no catholic church in the vicinity and um and he dies and before he dies uh, he curses the house and hauntings begin um, and we discover that the the haunting is is a demon that has been around and been chasing Livingston and a particular priest by the name of Dennis Cahill for some time. Um, and what happens is that uh, the hauntings go on for a couple years, and it's not until the Livingstons give in to uh, allow a priest, or they actually, they actually go after some other ministers to try to come in and exercise the house, and they can't do it. And in fact, the first Catholic priest, they ask, which is uh, the servant of God, uh, Demetrius Galitzin, uh, the uh... The um, Apostle of the Alleghenies and he, even Galitzin doesn't have the robustness to to do anything with this demon. And they they ask for a, a he he says we need a more robust priest. And John Carroll, the first bishop, in fact, of the United States, is involved in the true story. And uh, finally Cahill comes again. He comes twice, and uh, things happen, and it kind of turns out somewhat climactic at the end, don't you think, Scott?
2: Oh, absolutely, and and. It's it's very interesting uh the the research that you did with uh, uh Father Cahill and the dialogues that he had with uh Bishop Carroll and how you integrated those and, and yeah. the actual writings of, of Father yeah. uh Dimitri into the story.
0: That's right? Now. Yeah. Uh Cahill, it, it, the, the real history is that Cahill, or Cahill, depending on how you say it, and uh, John Carroll, our first bishop, had a very contentious relationship. And that's all documented in the letters that are
1: in the book. And uh, Bishop Carroll, by the way, he's the one that signed the Declaration of Independence, right? Isn't he uh, one of the, the, no, the, the only Catholic signing, or is that somebody else?
0: No, it's his... Um, it's, let's see. His cousin and his younger brother. Okay. Uh, I think I think his cousin signed the Declaration of Independence, and his brother signed the Constitution. Uh, Cahill was around uh, and and very influential, and knew Washington and all those people, but uh, he didn't sign any of the documents. He wasn't a politician. He was a he was a. Um, a Jesuit priest who uh, rebelled against the suppression uh, decades earlier and stuck around uh, the United States and ended up becoming the superior and then the, our first bishop.
1: Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that clarification. So the the book is called The Wizard Clip Haunting. And, uh, how, how much of it is historical? How much is it, uh, artistic license? And how did you make the decision of, you know, how much you, you're going to add to it and how much you're going to stick to the, to the historical narrative?
0: Well, it's, it's, the, the, I, it took me 10 years of research and, and, and on some trips to the locations, various locations around the country, uh, to do this. Um, all of the major plot points are historical. Um, I didn't have to make any of that up. What I, what I made up in the imagination comes in filling in the gaps um, and trying to figure out things that aren't documented. So the things that are documented... And I have to say at the outset I've probably collected 30 different um, documented stories of this as have others over the years uh, and none of them are exactly the same although the main points some of the points that I've just uh, told you about those are all the same in all the stories and what what differs are the little details so I had to figure out what the how these how the characters were related and what their backstories were and and some of that is fictionalized for the sake of well this makes sense I mean how else could this have happened so it's kind of like how did these people relate and meet and how did they get together some of that's fictionalized of course Mm -hmm. but the the main the the main plots about the, the demon and Livingston and Cahill and Richard and Anastasia McSherry and John Carroll that's all true
1: yeah the name itself the wizard clip haunting what does that refer to
0: well the the wizard clip is the name given to and we, we're not quite sure where the name came from. Well, we know what it refers to. It refers to the the hauntings, the, the hauntings that were very famous in that area. And it, everybody knew about it in that area uh, because, it, in fact, Livingston's house became a curiosity and it had many, many visitors, which are kind of documented in the book. And uh, the, the demon, as part of the haunting, would find linen in the home and clip out like two or three inch um, uh, silhouettes of crescent moons, and so there all the, there was all this fabric that was cut out and shredded into crescent moon threads, and someone gave it the name Wizard Clip, and to this day. Middleway, at the time, Middleway, West Virginia was called Smithfield after John Smith who f- founded the city back in the 1700s. And to this day, if you go to Middleway, Virginia, you will, West Virginia, you'll find on the front doors, or the fronts of all, a lot of the homes that were back that were around back then, you'll find emblems or little badges, and on it will be a picture of a crescent moon, a pair of scissors, and a little uh, kind of a picture of a a magician of sorts, kind of representing the demon in a friendly sort of way. So today the town is nicknamed Clip Town, and it's it's very well known. And Hmm. you can go there and visit. And so Wizard Clip comes from the name given to the demon at the time and that has been there since...
1: Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if I did my math right, this happened about 225 years ago, uh, approximately, yeah. obviously right. there's no uh, living witnesses when you, when you went out there, were there, you know, descendants or people that, you know, blood relatives of the people involved or who were you able to interview out there that, that were familiar with these, these stories?
0: Well, interestingly enough, most of the information came from historians that didn't live actually in Middleway. Um, but, uh, in fact, Middleway is a very, very small village even today. It's not, it's barely incorporated. But the information is just massive in terms of if you go online. For instance, I'm holding in my hand here uh, the Mystery of the Wizard clip, a monograph by Reverend Joseph Finotti, uh, Society of Jesus. And he compiled this. See, I think the copyright on this is yeah, 1870. So he he compiled this, and his. This monograph is a compilation of maybe, oh thirty 30 or 40 people that he was able to interview and get transcripts from, not uh, not eyewitnesses, but people that knew the eyewitnesses, and the stories were handed down. But then there is uh, Galitsyn, Demetrius Galitsyn, who was the Russian prince that was uh, the first he was the first priest to complete all his formal priest training here in the United States under John Carroll. And he was sent by Carroll to investigate this. And Gallitzin goes and spends three months investigating this. And he wrote a detailed account of this that was passed around and lost to history. So in my book, but, but he left some information about it. And so he was a first-hand witness and we have some information about that. And so in my book, The Wizard Clip Haunting, I've essentially taken a license to have Glitzin retell the story. So The Wizard Clip Haunting is the retelling by Demetrius Glitzen of The Wizard Clip, all from front to back. And uh, of course, I'm fictionalized that, but we have some of Glitzin's reports, and we have fenoti 's reports, which he compiled from other witnesses and so fenoti 's reports are really i, I don 't think there are any first hand witnesses, but there are people that were the daughters and the sons of people that were first hand witnesses, and the stories were passed down so we have only one or two generation separation from Phenoti's reports to what we know to be actually true.
1: Stan Williams is my guest. He is the author of a fascinating new book called The Wizard Clip Haunting. It's uh, produced... uh uh, this year, uh, published, I should say, Nineveh's Crossing has released this historical novel, The Wizard Clip Haunting. I also have Scott Rogie in studio who has read the whole thing and can give us, uh, you know, his his perspective on it as well. And, um, Stan, uh, one question that pops into my mind is, and I don't know if this is just good timing or, or, or not, but, you know, there's, there's seems to be a real fascination and popularity, I guess for the lack of a better word, with the spiritual right now. I think we just had the 50th anniversary of The Exorcist, and you've got movies like Nefarious and The Pope's Exorcist, and you've got, uh, you know, I, I can't tell you how many interviews I've seen of exorcists on social media. And here you come along with a book that has this spiritual kind of uh, plot as well. Was that just timing or did you catch a wave purposely?
0: No, I, I didn't know that. I started this summit and uh, there was no... no. Um no purpose in my mind in that respect. I, I didn't think about that. Uh, the story came to me in 2012. I, I'm a film producer, and of course I was doing this Catholic distribution stuff, and, and an Australian called me on the phone in 2012 and pitched his story to me and said, Stan, this would make a, a great movie, and, and I know Mel Gibson's brother, and so you need to write this script, and we'll get it to Mel Gibson's brother, and we'll make this movie. Well, I didn't believe him about the brother, but uh, the, the the story was fascinating enough and I wrote a screenplay in 2013 and got some interest from some of my friends in Hollywood but of course didn't get the money um, and and then I went on these trips that I took, the research trips to West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Maryland New Orleans, Pittsburgh and I discovered real stuff about Dennis Cahill and, and some of this other stuff and I said this is not a movie this is a book and so I started writing the novel and plotting it out in 2014 and uh kind of kept kept at it throughout the, the years because of my other projects i had to put it aside and then the pandemic helped me finish it uh in uh, last year and we released it this year so it's just
1: by chance i guess yeah yeah interesting i want to ask you about some of the response i know it hasn't been out very long it's a long book uh folks who have read it and any perhaps official reviews that people have had but uh, we've got one gentleman here in studio who's read the whole thing and scott uh, based on the conversation so far i know you've talked a little bit about your response to it but uh how how has it helped you spiritually or just from a a learning of about interesting history but what impact did it have on you
2: It got me to actually look into Father Galatzin, and and it's interesting that that Stan says that that the manuscript that he has uh, was from 1870 because my mom gave me a set of encyclopedias uh, that were copyrighted 1871. So like, if you go to George Custer, it ends with he's currently serving on the Western Front. Mm. That's how old these encyclopedias are. So I I looked it up, and sure enough, there's an article about – Uh, Father Galatzen and right underneath it there's an article about his cousin Elizabeth and I might be getting this wrong but I think they're like grand nephews of uh, and nieces of um, Catherine the Great and Mm. and so I I looked into his whole life and, and uh, what he did here in in the U.S. And, and his cousins in there because she started St. Mary's School in New York and then she started another school in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, but it, it really intrigued me to look into the real life people. Um, but but going back to to a comment that, that Stan made is is this would be an awesome movie and and then the 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 final scene the the exorcism of the the house it was. Um, it was just so thrilling i i i couldn't put it down for the last uh, couple of days uh, i was coming up to the deadline for for this interview but but also it was just such a, a, a thrilling uh the last several chapters of the book were, were just awesome so.
1: yeah awesome stan what other feedback have you received from folks who well, finished it
2: yeah,
0: I on um, on Amazon, you'll find that I've got nine five-star reviews, and that's all that, that's there. We're looking for more reviews. But let me read you one short one from someone that's kind of important to me. During my research, I was able to interview and spend an afternoon with Betty Seymour of Loretto, Pennsylvania. Betty Seymour is the uh, postulator uh, with her husband, Frank, for the cause for sainthood for Demetrius Galitzin. And, uh, she's done... Well, let me just read what she says here. She, she wrote this and put it up on Amazon. She says, After extensive 10-year research into the life of Prince Priest Demetrius A. Galitzin, 1770 to 1840, including his personal involvement in the wizard clip hauntings, you can imagine my fascination in how this novel delightfully brings to life the initial facts and the formation and integration of the many complex personalities involved. The character development is excellent as is the high suspense and drama leading up to the wizard and his clipping. in my eyes, it perfectly and artistically brought to life an awesome but real story, and this is what very much mattered to me, Betty Seymour, Loretta, Pennsylvania. so she lives just a few houses away from Gallitzin's um, church and his his um his crypt. And, uh, she spent 10 years doing it, and so she has, she has big manuals on the wizard clips, so she found it pretty fascinating, I guess. Mm. And she's actually, she is going to be speaking, we, we, the, 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 the book has, uh, instigated, uh, a history conference on history of the Catholic Church in America that we're going to be holding in Middleway at the priest field. Uh, pastoral Center. And the Prefield Pastoral Center is the land that is one of the characters in the book. It's the land that Adam Livingston donated to the church. And today it's a pastoral retreat center. And on December 9th, a Saturday, we're having a conference with all kinds of speakers that are coming and talking about history of the Catholic Church in America. And Betty Seymour is going to come and talk about uh, Galitzin and his involvement in the history and how important he is.
1: Mm, interesting. So you think there might be renewed interest in a movie? I know you, you said, uh, 10 years ago or so, uh, it got kicked around, but do you think you might re, uh, reinvigorate that effort?
0: Well, if I sell a
1: million copies, we'll
0: definitely make the movie. <laughs> the, the, adage, the, the adage in Hollywood is, uh, in any significant investment in a movie, uh, there has to be an antecedent, we call it. Yeah. And an antecedent is some popular thing that is... Creates the audience before the movie's even made, and so if if you get a book that sells a lot and there's a ready audience for it, then the movie can almost be made, yeah, almost always be made. But until so, the adage is write the book first. So. It, it, that's kind of what I did. I thought, you know, this is, this is, there's more information here than it would fit in a movie. But like they say, write the book first, then maybe we'll make the movie if we sell enough books. So that's yeah. kind of what's
1: happened. Yes. The book is called The Wizard Clip Haunting. The, my guest is uh, the author, uh, Stan Williams, and also Scott Rogie, a fan of Stan, and also who has read the book, uh, is in studio with me as well. And, you know, when Scott handed me the book back in March for my birthday, my first thought was, wow, this is a really Big book, you know, and sometimes uh, that that might you know shock people a little bit, uh, where they're like, "Oh gosh, I don't know that I can read a book this big." Uh, well, what was the the thought process in making it that big, or was that just necessary to develop everything that you needed to in, in in the in the plot?
0: Yeah, it was. It became necessary. My wife and others kept saying, "Stan, this is going to be too long," and I said, "Well." Uh, one of the things that i discovered in in my research of motion pictures is that the motion pictures that win best picture award are usually the scripts that are longer than anybody ever suggests that they should be for instance they they say today that scripts shouldn't be more than a hundred pages or at the most 120 pages long well if you go back to the 1990s when i did my original research on films uh, the the pictures in the 1990s, the ten pictures that won best picture at the Academy Awards or the Oscars, uh, they averaged 155 pages in length. Mm. And so, one of the reasons for that is because you need the length and the depth to develop characters so that they connect with audiences. Real well-rounded characters are flawed characters. We're all flawed, and we and the audience wants to see the arc or the transformation that the character goes through from good, good to bad or bad to good or whatever it is, but it needs time to do that. When I did my original research, and I saw that there was this n- number of characters that just had really rich backgrounds, I says, you know, there's no way I can write a short book about this because these people are so interesting, and their backgrounds, and then it, and then you have to fold in the American history into all this stuff, um, and and the demon, and so you, you you've got you've got really four or five characters, you've got the land that you've got to convey, the, the, the arc of that. Um, and there's, there's a, a murder on the land in real life and in the book that kind of, Curses the land that is today Priestfield. And it took like 150 years for that land to actually get out of the court system so that there could actually be a pastoral center. So that's one arc. Then there's Adam Livingston. Then there's Father Dennis Cahill, a pioneering missionary and somewhat renegade priest who comes to the United States before there's a bishop, before there's any structure. And of course, he has his confrontation with John Carroll. And then uh, you've got the uh, – well, I mentioned the, the demon, of course. So you've got these characters, and you have to give backstories to them. You have to give them reasons so that when you get to the climactic scene at the end of the book, it makes sense. And if you don't give the background and show the well-roundedness and, you, and explain the robustness of these characters and why they are the way they are, you won't get the final scene. So I just I had to commit myself to telling the whole story.
1: Yeah, that, made, that makes a lot of sense. Did, is there an apologetic angle to this book? Do you oh. want do you want uh, people to read it and say I feel better about the Catholic Church now? Oh
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh that... definitely. Just about just about everything I've done since I became Catholic in 99 in 98. Um, has been apologetics. I'm not a full-time apologist, but my media site, Nineveh's Crossing, there's a lot of apologetics there, and most of my my Catholic work is in apologetics. And so the book is definitely an apologetic work. It's a Catholic narrative apologetic work, uh, but it reads like a secular novel. Um, You just can't get away from the sacramental sense of history, and that's one of the emphases of our conference that we're that we're working on papers on, but uh, it's definitely that, and it definitely brings you into and reinforces the truth of the priesthood and the power of the sacraments.
1: Very interesting. And I would guess that outside of that community there in West Virginia, very few people know this story. This is a, a bit of a mystery, you know, no pun intended, to, to most people. And that's one of the reasons, perhaps, that you wrote it as well, is to get this yeah. fascinating story out to a broader audience, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that's true. Yeah, Dave.
1: Yeah, very good. So Scott, just want to open it up for you. We're about to, to wrap this up. This is the interview of the week. I made a decision early on as I, as I heard Stan start to talk that we couldn't keep this to 25 minutes. So this is what we call a, a double interview of the week. We're going uh, longer with this one and I'm glad we did because we really had to flesh out uh, a lot. It's kind of like the book itself. You can't make it short. We couldn't make this interview short <laughs> without, <laughs> without really compromising. But uh, Scott, you want anything else? Uh,
2: well, when Stan was talking, about- about uh you can't make the book short um he actually released it in three different books and and he and i had a conversation about that and and because it is it is a story but it is really five or six different stories the different people involved in in the whole incident and the background and and he and i had a conversation you know could you have chopped this, these chapters out, and and had a book about Adam Livingston and and a book about Father Cahill and a book about the actual uh, exorcism of 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 the uh, the house and and uh, we discussed it and and, and we, he said no you really can't do it and then and after our discussion I I was like yeah I could see that would be too difficult to to break it into three books to a to a trilogy mm-hmm. type thing yeah
1: like a series. Um, you know.
2: But but the the book does capture so much of the anti Catholic bias of America in in that, you know, post revolutionary time. I mean, uh some of the stuff that, that, that happens to this, the revolution hasn't even happened yet and, and the Constitution is just being uh the the Constitution of the United States was just created like ten years before the actual exorcism. So father Cahill coming to the states uh, father Gal- galitzin coming to the states all of that stuff was was occurring as the revolutionary war and the development of america is is mm. happening and and it's it's just stands does just a wonderful job creating such a vivid picture of all of these characters i mean there there's a pirate battle so people that that like you know Ahoy you know day. the the ships at sea <laughs> and sea and and everything and and the research that he, that, that went into that um, you wouldn't think that that learning about processing flax and and what flax seed is used for and and uh, the the fact that even the fact that the cotton took over so flax was used for most clothing until cotton took over that after the uh, the cotton gin was created and 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 that's even incorporated in the book. There's there's just so many very interesting aspects of of early american life pioneer life that 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 stan brings to the story because
1: it's part of the story yeah, right I, yeah stan scott brings up a great point you can't read this outside of the historical time at which no. it occurred right i mean this wasn't right. a 20th century story or a 13th century story this was late 18th century when it happened
0: yeah right and and, in fact, someone asked me a while back said you need to write something about the motivation, which I do a little bit at the back and the afterward, but i actually i have a a blog a in crossing blog spot, and there's a uh, a long article that i've written about. Uh, my motivations and the motivations for the book as I uh, as I thought about this after the fact and this is interesting someone asks you the question you start thinking about it and you realize oh yeah why did I write this really what was the thing that really motivated me to write that and what it was was when I became Catholic I became suddenly just in awe of the anti-Catholic bias that started with Henry VIII and the penal laws when he took over all the Catholic properties from the Catholic Church when the, when Clement VII wouldn't give him, um, an, an annulment with, uh, with, with his wife. And so he, uh, He takes over and he gets the parliament to create all these penal laws. The penal laws are passed over to Ireland and they work their way into the United States and the colonies, of course. And then there's just fascinating stories about what happened with Maryland and how it was originally kind of like a Catholic safe haven and then too many Protestants came in and changed it and suddenly the penal laws are reinforced in Maryland and prevented Catholicism and you couldn't practice Catholicism in Maryland, which was given to the Catholics to have a safe haven in the colonies. And it's not until the Bill of Rights and the Constitution are passed that a lot of this is negated, but it takes generations for that to go away. So even after the Constitution and the Bill of Rights are enforced and all that, we still have priests in the United States that are being killed by belligerents against Catholicism. And so this was my motivation. I was so fascinated by this that I thought, I need to write a book that talks about the incredible anti-Catholic bias and prejudice and persecution that was not only present back in Henry VIII's day, but it worked all the way, and it's in American culture to this day. So the book is really motivated, and and it's infiltrated with a lot. You'd almost say that's like a sixth plot of the whole story, is the arc of the the, arc of the anti-Catholic bias. And in fact, there's a our conference. We're going to show a 15-minute movie that talks about George Washington. And the movie is a 15-minute thing that came from the Mount Vernon Ladies' Guild in Mount Vernon, and it begins with George Washington signing an agreement to be a general. In the Red Coat Army, this course was before the Revolutionary War. And he, the agreement he signs is he agrees to disavow anything to do with the Catholic Church and especially trans, uh, transubstantiation, and that it's not the real presence, it's not Jesus, it's not all that. And he has to sign that paper if he's going to be a general in the British Army. Well, he signs it, but by the end of this 15 minutes, as we trace the history of George Washington, we find out that he is defending the Catholics in the United States, Of America, and he goes out of his way to try to stop the Guy Fawkes bonfires that were celebrating anti-Catholicism, while in people in his army, and he he goes. Out of his way to support Catholics by the end of his life, hmm. and so it's a great arc, and, and that's and that and that's in the book. That, yeah. That's kind of like another plot in the book.
1: <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's uh, fascinating. I've never heard that that angle about George Washington. I can imagine a, a homeschool mom or dad, or you know, even uh, somebody who's at a Catholic school, saying, oh, "Gosh, I, I wonder if this book is you know of the right age for my middle schooler or high school student." Uh, do you have a certain age range in mind of who this would be appropriate? For? For, or do you think a mature uh, young person would would get a lot out of it
0: well a mature young person i mean there's there's some there's some passages that are kind of rough and tough um, I'd say a mature high school i i 've told people say, if you 're a mature high schooler i 've taught Catholic homeschooler kids uh, junior in junior high and high school Catholic home uh, homeschool kids These are terribly mature kids yeah. these are really smart kids. I taught logic. Uh, formal logic to junior high school kids in a homeschool Catholic environment uh, enhancement program here in Michigan, and I couldn't believe how they absorbed this stuff. So... Um yeah, I would say a mature high school student would. I don't know if they could get through the book. It's kind of long, but it's definitely it'd be apropos because it's going to teach you a lot about uh, about the Catholic history, about American history, uh, and about some real people and real events. And it's going to strengthen your faith.
1: Amen. Stan Williams is my guest. He is the author of The Wizard Clip Haunting, and uh, it is from Nineveh's Crossing, which we have already talked about as well. He's on the phone with us. We are down to our last few minutes here. Scott Rogie is in studio, who has uh, read it, enjoyed it, endorses it, and uh, recommends it. Uh, Stan, how can folks get a copy if they're interested?
0: Well, the, the easiest way for me to tell you that is to go to my main website, which is stanwilliams.com, stanwilliams.com, and at the top of that website there's a big banner, big purple blue banner about the Wizard of the Pawning. And if you click on the banner, it'll take you to the page where you can uh, buy the book. And there's there's different edi- there's a hardcover, there's a, uh, a, a paperback, there's also a trilogy edition because the book is kind of heavy to hold, so you can buy. Sp- smaller books, and there's also a large print edition. There are also digital editions at the bottom of the page. You, you go to buy one for, uh, on Kindle or um, on Nook or any, uh, there are probably a dozen different Digital editions, and of course, there's an Amazon edition too. Although, I think right now Amazon's not releasing the latest version of the book. I think they're a little behind the the the, uh, the eight ball right now. But um, there's an Amazon link there as well.
1: Okay, very good. Do you have another project you're working on now? Is there another book in the works, or are you just resting after this long well, uh, long effort? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we we've got this Catholic history conference that I'm them heading up with uh, Donald Pathoff who's a dentist in Martinsburg, West Virginia and we he's kind of like a history guy too and so we're working to pull together this conference in December. But then I'm I'm working on a um, a documentary film called Angel Quest and where last summer I toured or I actually took a pilgrimage from Ireland to Israel uh, along the Seven monasteries that are aligned in a straight line from Ireland to Israel called the Sword of St. Michael. And all of these have, there's a lot to tell there that I won't go into now, but there's a website, if you, you can link to it through my still, st- from StanWilliams.com, you can link to the Angel Quest website and see my video reports from the field. And so we're working to try to, uh, get, we've got some PBS, uh, television support for it, but we're still looking for funding for it and, uh, see if we can finish that up in the next year or so. And then, yes, there's other books, but, um <laughs> right now that's enough. yeah the that, <laughs> plate.
1: <laughs> well praise good well oh god well stan thanks so much it's really been a, a fascinating conversation and i'm so happy that i'm able to uh let our listeners come to know you and also a lot more information about uh, the book the wizard clip haunting is the book and if i got the website right it's just stanwilliams.com, right Stanwilliams.com. right and uh, you can find out uh, more information about Stan in the book as well and pick up a copy, which I highly recommend. Um, so thank you, Stan. And Scott, I'll close with you because you're the one that uh, initiated this conversation. I want to thank you for introducing me to Stan. And anything else you want to say, maybe encouragement for folks to get on that website and get the book.
2: Well, you, you were talking about his next project. I think the next project should be Jim Caviezel, Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson, Doing a dramatic (laughs) reading of the book so that we have the audio, the audio book.
1: Yeah, get it, get it, get it rolling. So, all right, I'm all for
0: that. (laughs) Yeah, so
1: uh, I'm getting the wrap it up signal from Cicel. So uh, this officially is a a double interview of the week, and it only happens when it's the most fascinating of topics. And so I thank you both for your contribution to this interview. Thanks also to Cicel for hanging in with us. And uh, again, stanwilliams.com. The book is called The Wizard Clip Haunting, and it is a historical novel. uh, You're going to feel better about your Catholic faith after uh, reading it and uh, learn a whole lot about that the great history back in america in the late 18th century and so there's a lot of good reasons to read this so thank you both to both of you and uh, to sisal and thanks everybody for listening and for supporting good efforts like this because uh, good authors good catholic authors need to you know they need to sell books and so they can keep keep uh, keep doing more projects this has been the interview of the week here on kth 9:10 a.m guadalupe radio network god bless you and thank you for listening have a great rest of your weekend Thanks for joining us for
0: this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week.
2: Hello, my name is Liz Martz. My husband, Bill, and I own
0: Master Tech Auto Repair and Plano. We are proud sponsors of Catholic Radio.
2: Our family has been parishioners of St. Gabriel...
0: Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth. Catholic Radio for your soul in North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.